With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. Over the past month or so, uh, Long Beach Joe and I have had the opportunity to interview Marty Lyons, Lorenzo Malden, Aaron Henderson, and the feedback we've gotten on these interviews has been tremendous. So we wanted to make sure we shared these again as each player shared some tremendous insight on their career on and off the field. So here you go. We're going to start out with Marty Lyons, who talks about his career, his um, Marty Lyons Foundation, and also his thoughts on the current team. So check him out on Twitter, MartyLinesFoundation.org, and enjoy the interview. Lions, who, you know, if you, if, you, if you have an accolade for him, you can use it. He's a, first, a former first-round pick of the New York Jets, an All-American at the University of Alabama, a member of the Ring of Honor, the radio analyst for the New York Jets. So, Marty, this is Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? Good, guys. How you doing? Marty, we're doing great. And first off, we want to thank you for your time tonight. We definitely appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. You guys do a great for the, uh, great job advertising for the foundation and, you know, getting the news out there about the Jets. So uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, and you actually you just touched on that. And your foundation is remarkable. I mean, I give you so much credit for reaching out and helping kids with, you know, kind of like dire circumstances. Can you kind of go into that a little bit, so, some things about your foundation and the, the WISH program you guys do? Well, I think everybody's going to face adversity in life, and sometimes you run away from it, and sometimes you have to face it. In 1982, my oldest son, Rocky, was born on March 4th, and then my dad suddenly passed away of a heart attack on March 8th. And then two days later, a little boy that I was a big brother to died of leukemia at the age of five and a half. And at the age of 25, being a professional athlete, I I didn't know how to handle it. And... I don't know whether it was a lack of maturity or just something I didn't want to accept. So I decided to start a foundation for terminally ill children, taking their greatest wish in life and making it become a reality. And I've been 
very fortunate for the last 34 years now to be surrounded by good people that are willing to give, not just of their time, but their money, their thoughts, and their prayers. And we now operate in 10 states, and we've helped uh, over 7,000 kids, and we've raised over $35 million. So in tragedy, if you if you want to keep people alive in your heart and in your life, if you find something, dedicate yourself to it, make a commitment to it, it works out. Yeah, and that, that's, that's truly amazing. Now, how can people get involved with your foundation? Well, I think the biggest thing is to go to the website, themartylionsfoundation.org, and find out what you can do. I always tell people we always look for three types of people. One that can give us the financial support. The more money we raise, the more kids that we can help. If you don't have money, maybe you have time. And there's a value to time because you can't make more of it. You can always make more money. You can't make more time. And if you don't have money and you don't have time, you know, a thought or a prayer here or there will save a life of a child. God will listen. You know, he may not answer all of our prayers, but he he hears them. And every now and then, He'll give us one or two of our kids back to, as a reminder that the work we're doing has meaning and it is very thoughtful. Exactly. Marty, I, I want to thank you for coming on. My name is Joe, and I, I, I want to absolutely thank you for everything that you do with your foundation. You guys are the absolute best, and, and you guys have a great message, and we're more than happy to continue to promote your message. Um, you know, what, what's great about you is not only do you great things off the field. It's the great things you did on the field as well. And to to, re- to get to that type of greatness, it's the level of preparation that you must have. And I want to know, what exactly did you do in the offseason to prepare for the season in the NFL? Well, you know what, Joe, to be honest with you, you've got to start uh, as a young child, and you've got to have a dream. And you've got to be lucky at certain spots in your life, and you've got to be surrounded by good people, people that have – a great vision. My high school football coach, George O'Brien, started sending out recruiting letters to colleges when I was just a sophomore and said, you know, this kid can play at the next level. So he actually saw more in me than I saw in myself. So he kind of had that vision and then to play for Coach Bryant. Coach Bryant was the same type of individual, uh, except when you looked around the room, you had athletes from around the country and they all had the same credentials. They were all stayed in first in football, basketball, baseball, track, multi-sport players. And, you know, we we were very fortunate that we had the guidance of Coach Bryant, but we had the push from one another. Everybody was happy for one another. Everybody wanted to see somebody get better. So there was that self-team, that motivation from within and to only lose six games in four years and win a national championship, three SEC titles, that's a tribute to Coach Bryant, the coaching staff, and the entire uh, team that I played for for four years. And then to get to the New York Jets, it's, it's different because it's business. You're now getting paid to play. And when I came in in 1979, you know, it's not the money it wasn't there that the players are getting today, and I'm happy for the players because – You know, they deserve every penny that they get. But, you know, there wasn't any situational players. You played first, second, third down. You you weren't known as a pass rusher and just went in on third down. So I think the game has changed. But the one thing is you always have to prepare yourself. And even when my kids were growing up and they were playing soccer, lacrosse, and they each tried football and they didn't like it, I said, you know what, once you start something, you have to finish it. 
I won't allow you to quit. Because quitting is, you know, the first time you quit, that's the hardest thing you ever have to do is you've got to make up an excuse. You've got to quit. Second time you're confronted with an opportunity and you don't know what to do and you decide to quit, it's a little bit easier because you've already done it. And the third time you're in that situation, you don't even think about it. So all my kids knew that if you wanted to do something, I'll support you 100%. I'll be there. I'll give you all the tools you need to be successful. You don't, you don't, you're not allowed to quit. And if you don't want to do it again, that's fine also. So, you know, you you just got to instill that as parents and go out there as coaches and make the kids understand, number one, winning and losing at, uh, even at the high school level, it's not the end of the world. Learn something about who you are. Learn about the platform that God has given you. Learn how to take your God-given tools of playing an athletic sport and take it into the community and those that are less fortunate, maybe share a moment with them. I think that's all important, and you learn those qualities out on the football field, basketball court, or whatever your sport is. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's, that's a, a, a great way of approaching things, too, and thinking about things in terms of quitting and just fighting through it. And you, you kind of reflect on, the, on your play on the field, Marty. I mean, we're both huge fans of yours as you play the game. When you look back at your career at the New York Jets, what are some of your fondest memories? Well, I think the guys that I played the sport with, you know, you look back and, you you know, I'm still friends with guys like Joe Klecko and Mark Esno. I see him quite a bit, Greg Buttle. Kenny Shroy helped me start the foundation back in 90, 1982. He was my teammate. Wesley Walker, Freeman McNeil, Bruce Harper. Those are all guys that when the game was over, the friendship continued. And I think that's what made that you know, my stay with the Jets so special. Free agency didn't exist when we first came in the league. And we had a coach in Walt Michaels who was the old school coach. And I firmly believe that if they didn't let him go in 1982, we would have won a Super Bowl. We had the pieces in place. And then uh, Joe Walton came in right after we lost in the Mud Bowl and yep. dismantled the team. And we, you know, they gave us a little pat on the butt. And I said, don't worry, we'll get them next year. And I retired in 91, and we never had another opportunity to play in an AFC championship game. So it's a strong message that I tell today's athletes, especially the Jet players. You know, you got to take advantage of every opportunity and treasure the moment because this team of 2015 that they had last year won't be the same in 2016. It just doesn't work that way. There will be missing faces, there will be new faces, and there will be new challenges and they just have to be ready for him. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That was kind of the most bitter thing of the, the loss in Buffalo, especially, was you look at the potential and all the things that could have kind of fell in place for them, and then it's just taken away, and now you watch the playoffs kind of heartbroken, which is just really disappointing. But just going back to your career for one second, what was it like being a member of the New York Sack Exchange? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just a great, a great you know, part of Jet history. Could you share some insight on that? Well, I tell you what, it was a great moment. Uh, And the recognition really should have gone to the entire defense because, you know, the only way the guys up front were going to get to the quarterback is if the linebackers and the secondary did their job. So the front four got a lot of credit. Mark was unbelievable. Joe was unbelievable. Getting to the quarterback from the outside. Abdul and I, we knew our responsibility. We had to tie up three people with two of us. And – that way, one of the defense, uh, defensive ends, either Mark or Joe, were going to be free because they couldn't double. 
And if you had the coverage in the backfield, we had the speed up front to get to the quarterback. There was nothing more exciting for me than to go down to the New York Stock Exchange, to walk out on the floor, to wait till the trading was over, and, you know, go in the back and put on our uniforms and take the first photo of the four of us that they actually used on a Stock Exchange poster. And then you started to build confidence because you went into a game. It wasn't, hey, are these guys going to get to the quarterback? No, it was how many times we were going to get to the quarterback. And it was just playing with a great deal of confidence. And I was fortunate because I was wedged right in between Abdul and Joe. And if I looked over at Joe and he gave me a nod or he gave me a certain look, I I didn't have to worry about what I was doing. I knew I had to get outside and hold containment that Joe was going to take the tackle up and then go in, and I just had to hold containment, and hopefully he would flush the guy out to me. So it was great communication. It was a lot of fun, and it should have been shared with the other seven guys on the team, but the four of us up front were still grateful after 30 years. And you guys were absolute monsters. (laughs) You guys are destroying offensive linemen and giving people havoc out there. Let me tell you something. I just want to know, uh, Marty, how do you think the sack exchange compares to the defensive lines of today? Well, I, I think it's a different era. Uh, you know, all four of us, Mark, Joe, Abdul, and myself, we played four downs, you know, first, second, third, fourth down. There was nobody coming in the field fresh on third and long being a pass rush specialist. I think the, the defensive line that the Jets have now is just just let them mature. Let them be who they are. And try not to make a comparison to the past. These guys have a lot of talent. They have a lot of drive, a lot of desire. And there's no need to put extra pressure on them. There's no need to make a comparison because they're different. Every one of them are different from the four that we had. So I'm excited about it. I think you got Shelton, you got Snacks, you got Leonard Williams, who's coming, uh, number one draft choice coming back. You got interchangeable parts. They got to, you know, they probably go to seven deep now. And of course, you hope that Mo Wilkerson, after breaking his leg, he can come back healthy. Yes, absolutely. We are. We're definitely hoping that Mo comes back healthy and you know gets back to his regular production if we can get him re-signed. But I, I, one thing that you talked about was you were next to Joe. <laughs> and Joe Klecko was a guy that got it done on that defensive line at all different sizes and different positions there. And what blows my mind is with the numbers that he put up and different things that he's done that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? You know, it's kind of hard to figure out. The only thing that I can possibly put a finger on, and it's unfair to try to measure Joe he doesn't have a championship ring. He was never on a Super Bowl team, never played in the Super Bowl. To me, that that's not a reflection of Joe. That's a reflection of how good he was with the team that he played with. You know, we were missing some pieces. Otherwise, we would have gone to the Super Bowl. It wasn't the lack of effort on Joe Plucko. There's a guy that made all pro at nose tackle, defensive tackle, defensive end. He made the team better by his leadership. And nobody talks about what he did in the locker room, which was so important uh, to building confidence with some of the younger players. I remember when I came in the league, I, I walked out of the training room or out of the weight room one day, and Joe came up to me and he says, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. I just got done lifting. 
He said, no, 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 no. He says, from now on, you lift with me. You need to get stronger. He goes, I don't know how long I have to play alongside of you, but I know you have to get stronger. So I went, okay, Joe, I'll, t- I'll talk to you later. I started to walk off. He goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. He goes, what did I just tell you? So I went back in and put on a pair of shorts and T-shirts. And from that day on, I didn't leave until Joe left. But he took it upon himself to tell me, you know, first-round draft choice, 1979, University of Alabama. Basically, son, you're not strong enough to play in this league, but I'll help you get there. And that was the type of player teammate he was. That's a phenomenal story. Once again, we're talking with Marty Lyons, a New York Jets great, the radio voice for the Jets. He always does a great job, a phenomenal listen, a Ring of Honor member. Marty, um, my question for you is, you know, it seems like with, the, with Mike McCagney in place now and Coach Todd Bowles, it seems like there's a bit of a, a culture change where it, co- it kind of goes back to hard work, less talk, more actions. What's been your assessment of the front office and Coach Bowles? Well, I think to me it goes back to having stability at the top. You got a head coach that I mean, Todd is—he's straight on. These are the rules. There's no gray area. You follow, stay on that line, and you'll be okay. You got Mike McCagnan. He can evaluate talent, and he can look at the team. And there's definite communication working back and forth between Todd and Mike to understand what parts they need out on the field. And I think that you know, pretty good indication was. You had a lot of stars on the Jets team, a lot of personalities. You had Marshall, you had Decker, you had Ryan Fitzpatrick come in, and then you had on on the defensive side, you got Revis, you got Cromartie. You got so many guys that could really say, hey, well, look at what I've done in the past, and I'm now with the Jets. But all those personalities were checked in at the door every single week. This was a team that was happy for one another, that played for one another, that got along with one another, never pointed the finger saying, hey, you know what, you've got to play better, you've got to play better, before asking themselves to play better. And I think that, you know, a, a lot of that old school theory is, you know, if we're good, let other people tell us how good we are. We don't, not, we don't need to talk about it. And you saw a lot, that, uh, a lot of that in Todd Bowles because he said, you know what, I'm not going to allow this team to get too high when they win, and if we lose, we're not going to get too low. So I think that they made the adjustment, um, and they brought some players in. They still need a few more, and they got to understand you can't put yourself in a situation on week 17 where if you don't win, you're not in. There's 16 weeks prior to that that you've got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. You may slip up every now and then, but you can't go down to Houston and play the way that they did. You can't play twice against Buffalo that the way they did. You can't lose to a Philly team early in the season, even though you didn't have Eric Decker or Chris Ivory. You've you got to be able to win that game. So you look back now and you go, wow, we were 10-6. and six. We had a good season. Not a great season because if it was a great season, they'd still be playing. But now we have a strong foundation to build on. Now we've got something ready for 2016. Now we have a new attitude. And, and, and you have to feel good about, if you're a Jet fan, where this organization came from two years ago, going 4-12, and 12, now going 10-6, and six, and the players that they have in place. I think you've got to feel pretty good about it. 
And I totally agree with you there, Marty. The direction that Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles have took us in, it just, it's, it's awesome to see. And like you said, it all starts at the top. Once you have guys in place, they're football guys that can make football decisions and know what they're doing, and they can settle down the team and bring in a business-like kind of atmosphere, things just fall into place. And one of those things that fell into place was Ryan Fitzpatrick. This guy came in and has definitely gave us some stability at quarterback there. Uh, he's had a big-time year this year. Do you think he comes back as the undisputed starter? Well, I, I don't know if he's going to come back and be undisputed starter, but I think he's going to come back and it's his job to lose. Number one, he's got the the endorsement of his teammates. Everybody loves him, and he's that type of guy. You know, what people forget is during the bye week, he had to have surgery on his thumb. You know, and look at the season that he had. Um, he's going to manage the game, and he's going to control the game. And with the pieces around him, I, I think he needs some help at the tight end position. You'd like to see a tight end or that position come away with at least 40 to 50 receptions in a year because then you keep the, the two safeties kind of occupied. This year, I think the Jets' uh, tight end, that whole core of tight ends only had eight receptions. That's not going to get you too many you know, opportunities to open up the field. And I think you do that, and then you'll you'll see more from Eric Decker, even though he... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Went over a thousand yards. Marshall went over a thousand yards. Chris Ivory went over a thousand yards. There was a lot of production. One guy that went unnoticed was James Carpenter, a free agent that they picked up from Seattle. I think he had an outstanding season. He didn't see many penalties. He didn't miss any plays, and he was consistent. You look at the Brickshaw Ferguson. He didn't miss a snap. He hasn't missed a snap since he got drafted. So even though there's some age up front in that offensive line, Maybe you need to go down and find somebody in the second, third round and get, a, get yourself a little bit more depth to help out Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I definitely agree with that. I mean, James Carpenter was an absolute steal at this point. It was kind of like an under-the-radar signing, and next thing you know, it's the left side of the line was fairly consistent. Marty, my question for you is this. That the second biggest story, I guess, other than the Jets trying to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, is Muhammad Wilkerson, who most people think is going to get franchise tagged, things like that. How would you handle Mo's situation? It seems like he's earned that big contract. He's a valuable member. Like, what would you do with this? Well, to be honest with you, I probably would have already re-signed him. That's how valuable he is. I probably would have done it um, beginning of the season, midway through the season. It would have been that jolt to say, hey, wow, 
You know, look what this organization is doing. But right now you've got to evaluate how many defensive linemen. you got uh, Damon Harrison. you got Mo Wilkerson. I think next year you're going to have Sheldon Richardson. you got a lot of guys up front on the defensive line that their contracts are coming up. You can't put all the money into the defensive line and try to build a team around you to get to the Super Bowl. It's just not possible. So I think Mike McCagnan has to make some tough decisions. Now, who do, you, who do you want to keep? At what price can you keep them? I can tell you this. Damon Harrison had an outstanding year, probably the best behind Muhammad Wilkerson of all the defensive linemen. This guy came back in shape, played the nose tackle position, always took a double, triple team to move him, and he went sideline to sideline. He wants to get paid. So yep. – you know, those are going to be tough decisions of what positions you're going to take money away from if you want to keep the defensive line together. And, you know, this money doesn't affect you just now. It'll affect you next year or year after. So, you know, Mike McCagnin's got some decisions to make, and I think that once you sit down with Todd Bowles and you kind of map this thing out and you try to put a forecast, a one, two, three, four-year plan together, they'll figure it out. Yeah, it, it's like a, an abundance of riches all, all of a sudden, and now it's like now you add in Leonard Williams into the mix, who comes at a, you know a cheaper cost now at least under his rookie contract. I, I guess my question for you is, you know, there's always been this argument the Jets need like the outside the outside pass rusher, a speedy guy on the outside. Do you think if you add that speedy guy on the outside, Sheldon and Muhammad could be that much more dangerous you know, on the line? Well, I think any time that you have a, a true pass rusher from the outside. You, that it puts number one, it puts the fear of God in the offensive tackle, because he's got to open up. You either got to keep a tight end in, or you got to keep a running back back there to chip him. But he's you got to have one of those guys that can get up the field. If the outside's not open, he's got to have the quickness and the speed to spin back inside. So certainly, you look back at the sack exchange. We had two of them, and what did that do for our defense? You know, it suffocates the quarterback because the quarterback, you're going to see more and more of it, a quarterback that has the mobility to get outside the pocket. Well, if you've got a guy in the shotgun and you've got great speed on the outside, you just shut out his escape route of getting out of the backfield and you have to force him up front. So I think it's important. It's hard to find them and it's hard to develop them. And you know what? I don't know how cheap you're going to get them. So, again, you've got to go in and evaluate it. If you have a true pass rusher from the outside, you don't need to blitz all the time, so that means you can drop another guy back into coverage. There's so much more you can do if you have one guy that you can point at and say, hey, you know what, this guy can get to the quarterback, and he can get back there four out of five plays. Absolutely, and that's something that we're definitely going to see, you know, Mike McCagnan definitely look for and try to improve finding that edge rusher possibly in this draft as well. And we'll also look to see if Malden, you know, definitely turns up next year and comes back. We're all excited for him too and see what type of pass rushing he's going to bring for us. And I, I wanted to get your taste on, on technique because you, again, you were part of that sack exchange. You guys definitely studied offensive lines and you guys had technique and you guys definitely used it. What exactly did, what exactly kind of looks did you give the offensive lines and what kind of moves did you use 
so that you guys could get upfield and attack that quarterback? Well, I think the biggest advantage for a defensive lineman is he's got to be able to anticipate a snap count. You're looking down there, and you're trying to see, as soon as you can see that ball move, you've got to move. And you've got to make, you can't make a counter move until you beat the offensive lineman with your first move. Meaning if you're going to take the guy up the field, you've got to turn back into the quarterback. And if you don't make it, it's okay. Second time you get him, offensive tackle is going to ride you, and then you spin, and your offside elbow should come around, hit him in the shoulder pad, and you should get right there to the quarterback. Joe Klecko had the strongest hands. Mark was so much faster than Joe, but Joe could use his hands. He never let an offensive lineman get into him because the first thing the offensive lineman wants to do is they want to hold you. They'll hold you every single play. It's just not going to be called. They'll get you inside the shoulder pads, and they're going to squeeze. And as soon as they get their hands on you, you're done. You're done. There's no way to get away. So Joe used to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to get my hands on his. I'm going to try to hit him underneath the elbow get his hands up in the air, and if I can get his hands up in the air, I walk him right back to the quarterback. Opposite side was Mark. Mark was so quick, he anticipated the snap count, took almost a half a step out, which means now that offensive tackle had to open up, swing his hips, and there was no offensive tackle that could swing their hips that fast to catch Mark. So I think that, you know, individual moves, Start with the anticipation of a snap count and knowing in your mind that what you're going to do before you do it. It has to become a reaction. You can't go in there and think. You don't have that much time to think. Everything you do on the defensive line, you've got to react. It's exactly. And one of the things that I've seen and when you talk about that reaction is how things are changing now in the NFL, especially with the rules being changed. And so that kind of changes how pass rushers do react to certain things and how they make tackles and where they can go high and low on a quarterback. Are you in favor of all the rules that have been changed to protect players, especially like the, you know, the rules that have been changed to protect the quarterbacks as well? Well, Joe, I'm in favor of any rule that protects any player out there on the field. You know, because God forbid you're one of those players that, you hit somebody and you hurt them. Uh, you know, I was involved in one of those situations back in 1987 with Dwight Stevenson. Uh, to this day, it still haunts you. You know, you're talking about 29 years later. Uh, you don't want to be one of those guys that hurt a player that and end their career. So anything that they can do to protect another player, uh, I'm in for it. Whether it, you know, hitting a guy late or hitting them. I'm just into the safety of the athletes now because, you know what, a lot of the older players, uh, the game has worn us down. And I think every one of us would say that we would do it again. And, you know, we're all paying the price now. But, you know, that's okay. We were chasing a dream at that point of our lives. And I don't think we knew the long-term effect of uh, any of our injuries. I don't think the doctors knew, you know, back then in the – early 70s and early 80s, the long-term effects. And we're all finding it out now. And anything that we can do to provide safety for the players now, it's going to filter down not just from the NFL, not just to college, not to high school, but all the way down and, and keep people safe. That's, that's the main thing about any game that you play. 
Yeah, no doubt, and that's that's a great message. I mean, we had on Warren Moon a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of went into that too about concussions and things like that, and just the aftermath as you see it down the line. So. I think we both agree that you know player safety is very important, especially with the size, the speed of all these players and everything else and how much the game has changed. Um, Marty, first of all, we want to thank you for coming on tonight. We, we definitely appreciate all your insight, all your hard work on and off the field. Um, do you have a message for all Jet fans out there? Because we had, once we announced that you were coming on, our, all our social media went nuts and everybody was, always, was anxious to hear from you. Do you have a message for all the Jet fans out there? Well, I would have to say thank you. You know, I came up here in 1979 as a complete stranger to New York. I've been up here 37 years. The reason why I stayed up here is because of the fans, because of the warmth and love that they showed me. And even when I got inducted to the Ring of Honor in 2013, it was a celebration of not just what I did on the football field. It was what the fans and the people involved with the foundation the children from the foundation, everything that they have done, I represented them in 2013. And as I ended my speech, I said, my name will be their name, united as one forever. So I love the fans. The fans always treated me well, win or lose. I was always honest to the fans, win or lose. And I always stayed around in the off season so that the fans had an opportunity to meet me as a person not the number I wore on my back. And I have a great deal of friendship and respect for every one of them. And you know what? I want them to remember that football is just a game. Love the game of football every Sunday, but don't let it affect you Monday through Saturday. It's just a game. Enjoy it. Love it. Cheer for your team. And you know what? Maybe, maybe, just maybe in the next couple of years, we might make it to the Super Bowl. Oh man, that's that's a that's a phenomenal message. I, we hope we go to Super Bowl. I think we're all due for that. Um, Marty, before we let you go, can you please one more time share the information on your foundation and how people can get involved? Just go to the MartyLionsFoundation.org, or you could call us direct at six three one five four three ninety four seventy four. Tell us what you'd like to do. Tell us if you can donate money. Tell us if you can donate time. Just tell us where we can fit into your life, and we'll find a spot that you can fit into the lives of the children. And for that, I'm very grateful. Just for any introduction, and if you have a suggestion to say, hey, you know what, maybe I can do this, maybe I can raise money this way, I'm all for listening, and I'm all for trying, because that's the only way that we have survived. I always tell people life is about two things, opportunities and choices. We're going to have different opportunities throughout life. And sometimes we make the right choice. Sometimes we make the wrong choice. When you make the wrong choice, you have to be man enough to stand up, pick yourself up, look around. Hopefully you have enough people around you and start over. And then don't make that choice again. But if you have enough trust in yourself, you will always open up every door of opportunity. You may not stay there for a while, but don't be afraid to open it. Well, once again, that was Marty Lyons, who was very, very kind enough to give us uh, some of his time, shared some phenomenal insight on his career, Joe Klecko, some behind-the-scenes stories, and also thoughts on this um, this cat season team with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mo Wilkerson, things like that. So thank you for your time, and please check out his website, martylinesfoundation.org. Great foundation, doing a lot for 
kids that are facing some um, dire circumstances. Our next interview is Aaron Henderson, uh, Jets linebacker who recently re-signed, which is great news for Mike McCagney and the team. And Aaron's kind enough to give us some time, so here is our next interview. Going to tell you some Let's Talk Jets. How you doing, man? Good day, good people. I can't complain, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Aaron, thank you, man. We appreciate it. And like I said, congratulations on your new deal, man, because when that was announced, you had all Jets Nation just very excited for coming back. I appreciate that love, man. You know, that's a big part of it. You know, um, they embraced me. I felt like, you know, they embraced me very early on uh, when I got out there, and they really didn't have much reason to, you know, if, you, if you're looking at it and you're being honest about it. Um, but they did, and I, and I was able to, to reciprocate that and go out there and play some decent football. And so now here we are moving forward. Yeah, no doubt, man. You had, you had an excellent season last year. And, and when you look at last season, how do you reflect on that? Do you consider the season, the season a success? Was it kind of frustrating the way it ended? How do you look back at last year? It depends on which aspect you're talking about. You're talking about me on a personal level. You're talking about me on a, on a team level. You're talking about career-wise. You know, which one you want to, which one you want to know. You could do both. I mean, for the team and for personal, because like you know, obviously you got to see, you got to feel very good about yourself. You bounce back strong. You put a lot of doubters wrong, and the team surprised I mean, a lot of people as well. So yeah, for, just for both aspects. On a personal level and on a team level, I feel like we were very successful. I think there was things throughout that I wish would have uh, been a little bit different um, for me personally as well as for the team. You know, I, I think we, we definitely had the team to make the, make to the playoffs and make a good run at it. Um, but for me, on a personal level, it was it was it was huge for me, man. My, my NFL career was on the line. I don't think people really understand what I had to go out there and do this past season um, in order to be to be able to put myself in the situation I'm in right now. And you know, for me to be able to look at that and see that with a clear eye view, you know, you got to understand going into your eighth season, 29, nobody's going to sign you to come play special teams anymore. So if I don't get a chance to go out there and play linebacker and show I'm still capable of playing at a high level at that, you know, I, I might not be playing no more. So they, they told me I had six games to go out there and, and show and prove, and I told them I wasn't coming off that field. So I'm happy with how things played out and how things went. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I feel good about my career. I feel good about my space in life, my life, my lot in life. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying my son. I'm enjoying my wife out here in Los Angeles. I can't complain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, and I want to welcome you to the show. My name is Joe, and let me tell you, I'm, I am the guy that was rooting for you. I thought you played extremely well last season, and I knew you coming in that you would give us an impact that you did. So I'm so happy to, you know, have you back. I did backflips when you resigned, man. I could, I could not wait. Hey, you, hey you, you, you and I both. <laughs> I did a couple myself. I think I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. When you when you look back at this season, though, what are your thoughts on Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers? You know, I didn't want to leave New York because of Todd Bowles. You know, that's what that's one thing that that I've, I've been very adamant about and open about. Like you know, my relationship with Coach Bowles, and, and, and more so, more so uh, for me, it's more so with uh, Coach Caldwell because you know that's my linebacker coach. That's who I'm in the meeting room day in and day out, and that's who I'm that's who I'm dealing with mostly. You know, DC they just come in, introduce stuff, and go on. You know. Um, but it's just awesome, like, being around that building, being around, you know, people who are so similar to me and, and, and view things from the same the same point of view. Like, you know, Coach Bowles knew I wasn't going to call off that field. He told me that. He said, that's why I put you out there, because I knew what you can do. I knew what you was capable of. And, like, when you have people that believe in you and are willing to give you the opportunities to go out there and show and prove, man, you're willing to run through a wall for that, man. Yeah, no doubt. And that seems like – it seemed like all the players just bought in very early where you seem like a very united team – a lot of team chemistry. Was that apparent in the locker room for you? For sure, for sure. And for me, it was it was different because that was my first time being in any other NFL locker room than the Vikings. 
And I had my group of friends out there. I had my people that I knew the whole time that I was out there and came in together, whatever the case may be. So I walk into a locker room with, with all fresh faces. The only, I mean, I knew I knew some people in passing, but the only person I ever been on the team with was Jay Doosable, and that was when we first came into Minnesota. He was only there for camp, and so it was it was it was nervous. It was nerve wracking at first. You know, you're walking in, you don't really know what you're walking into. But I was embraced with open arms. You know, I found a lot of good guys, a lot of good people on the team, and it's just easy to get along, man. You feel good about going to work. I remember one time, like during the year last year, Leo said, "Man, Aaron, I like you a lot, man. You just come in here with a smile on your face all the time." I looked at him, I said, yo, first of all, I was out of the league last year, bro. Like, I was on the streets. And secondly, I'm surrounded by good people. Why wouldn't I be smiling? Exactly. And as you went on through the season, you, you made a lot of plays in coverage. You were out there just hitting guys and doing what you need to do. How did you prepare for that throughout the week? Man, it's hard. I, I honestly, I wish I could answer that question for you. I, I really don't know sometimes, man. It's a line, you know, I don't know, you guys probably don't know, but I'm a big music head, and they say you don't know what you're doing until you're done doing it. Lil Wayne said it, and I never really understood it, but it's like I'm out there and I'm playing and I'm doing these things, and some of it's just natural instinct, some of it's the film study, some of it's the, the pointers that your coaches give you. Uh, but when it's all said and done, the players got to make plays, you know. They can only put you in the right situation so many times. you got to do the rest of it from there. And when you got a good coaching staff around you to understand certain things, they're going to give you opportunity to make some plays. you just got to take advantage of them. Exactly, and when you spoke about the coaching staff, you talked about how Todd Bowles, you know, he was a guy that said, hey, you're going to be out there. And I know that you know, they, give you different, they give you different assignments when they're coming up with their defensive schemes for the week. What was your toughest assignment of the year? Um, going to Dallas, you know, going to Dallas, I don't know if people realize it or not, but, you know, I had already started rotating with DeMario, so I wasn't really playing much at Mike anymore. Um, you know, I practice and things like that. I might get a rep or two there. Like that week leading into that game, I might have got six or seven snaps at the Mike Backer. But I, when when Dave messed up his back early on, I had to go out there and perform for the rest of the game. That was a tough assignment, man. That was a tough task because you don't get you're not familiar with it. You know, you haven't been seeing it all week at practice. You know, you're in a different position, you're in a different spot. So that was that was a hard thing to do. It wasn't easy at all. Um, that was probably that was probably one of my tougher games this year. And, and Aaron, you mentioned David Harrison. David Harrison, you know, a, a lifelong Jet and a, a huge fan favorite. What is it like playing next to him? It's awesome because you know what you're going to get, man. It's big. Like, I mean, in, the, in our job, in our industry, in our business, you, you depend on that man next to you a lot. You, you count on him to get certain things done and be able to play a certain way and act a certain way. And he carries himself with, with, with all of those things. You know what I mean? He, he is a, a, a professional's professional. You know what I mean? He, he goes about his business. He's going to come downhill. He's going to thump. He's going to hit. He's going to bang. He don't mind. And when you're seeing that and you're out there with it, it makes you raise your level of play. It makes you, you know, you want to keep up. I can't let Dave outshine me. Y'all think Dave's going to outshine me this year? Y'all got another thing coming. I'm too competitive. I'm going to go fight every every snap. Me and him going to be trying to get to that ball to make that tackle. But that's how we get better, though. That's how everybody gets better. That's how you improve. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The team, that's how you improve your organization. And that's how you, you, you teach the other people. You got to come in here and compete every day. I'm not going to lie to you, Aaron. You're getting everybody fired up right now with that mentality, that <laughs> mindset. That's just, it's contagious because, you know, it, it's funny. We had Lorenzo Malvin on a couple weeks ago. 
And he has that same drive where it's like he's hungry. He wants to learn. He wants to get better. Mm-hmm. And that's just the environment you want for your team. Now, is there any other players that you watch, like, in the league to try to, like, mold your game after? Any guys, like, you, like, try to get in, like, mimic their skill sets? You know who I've enjoyed watching in, in this time in the league, man? It's, a, it's about it's about it's two or three guys, like, that are still doing it right now. Like, of course, my brother was, was the first one that I that I watched and, 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 you know, mimic my game after a little, learn from him. Um you got Tommy Davis down there in, uh, in, in in Carolina. I love the way he plays. I know Luke Keekley gets a lot of love because he's a hell of a ball player too. But it's just something about that attitude, the way that Tom Davis played it. I like. Uh, you got Carlos Dansby out there who's been doing it for forever, still doing it, still coming downhill. You got somebody like Derek Johnson that's that's still doing it, 33 years old, just signed a 21 million dollar contract. You know, those are the people that you got to look to and, and, and admire and respect because they're doing it, and then it's not easy to do. Yeah, and and Aaron, when you when we look at this defense, they played extremely well this year. What is the thing that you think can take this defense to the next level? That consistent, that consistent attitude, that consistent nastiness. You know what I mean? It can't be, oh, I'm pissed off now, I'm gonna be nasty. You got to have it from the from the first time you step on that field. Because I, my coach used to always tell me in Minnesota, Coach Children, hey, don't don't ease into a street fight. You can't ease into a street fight. And when you get that about yourself, when you get that killer attitude and that killer instinct, they like play in and play out. Every play is important. That's when you see the game change. Exactly, and, that, and that's what exactly was on my mind. That nastiness, like you said, and some of that nastiness comes from preparation. You spoke about it a little bit about film study. I want to know what exactly are you looking at when you break down film of the opposing offense as a linebacker? What are you looking for? Are you looking for tendencies? Are you looking for certain situations of play calls? I mean, what exactly are you trying to see? I mean, you start there, and then you got to get a little bit deeper. You know, tendencies, they're going to give you the tendencies as soon as you come into the, into the meeting room on Wednesday for that first meeting. They're going to tell you what they like to do when they get in this formation. They're going to tell you what they like to do when they get in that formation. So then once you see that, the next thing you got to do is figure out who you got to deal with when that formation come up. Do I got to deal with this guard? I got to deal with this tackle, fullback, running back, what I got to do, you know? Like, what, what now what's happening? And then it's just a matter of what does he like to do? Okay, if I got to go tackle this running back, he's shifty. He's going to try to make me miss. What move does he like the most? You know what I mean? What what does he like to do? What's he gonna try to do? What's he gonna is he like for instance, everybody knows Russell Wilson's gonna give you the dead leg back there. You know what I mean? You he's gonna drop back, he he's gonna think you got him dead the right, he's gonna give you the dead leg and he's gonna bounce out on you. You see what I'm saying? That's the stuff that helps you raise your level of play because you're not thinking about stuff no more because you you watch it all week and you've seen it and you know what your opponent's doing before he even knows it. Yeah, no, and that, and that's excellent. And and Aaron, the question I have for you is, you know, now that you guys have a year in this defense where you have like familiarity, you have chemistry, all this. Is it gonna, can you think you can expand the defense maybe next year to be more aggressive, maybe implement new schemes? Of course. Of course. Of course. you got to understand who's in charge. you got to understand who's running the show. You know what I mean? And how his mentality is and what his mentality is. So, yeah, it might have been a, it might have been an ease in. It might have been, you know, a little bit of head bump in that time because people were so used to doing things another way. But, you know, once people buy into the system and they, they understand the system a little bit better and they understand why they have to do what they have to do in that, in that situation – it makes everybody play that much faster and play that much more efficient, you know, because now you know you know what your job is, you know what your assignment is, and once your coaches see that they can trust you and they can trust that they can they can put certain things on you uh, mentally, then then they can expand. And I think that's one of the things that kept me around this league for one, and last year with the Jets as well. You know, I had the ability to be able to play both inside positions, and they didn't have to think about okay, they're going to get out there and, and bust, you know, and he's going to mess up this or mess up that. They was at ease with the fact. So once you get that same trust and that same confidence in the rest of the team and the rest of the defense, and they get that same trust and that same confidence in our coaching staff, it definitely expand and grow. 
Yeah, no doubt, and that's exciting for everybody. And, and we mentioned his name earlier. Lorenzo Malden seems like a young player. It's so explosive and exciting to watch. How do you think his game will come out this year? Can you, can you take the next step, do you think? I hope so. I hope so. Um, you know, I'm going to stay on his ear. I'm going to stay on him. Lorenzo's an interesting kid. He's a great kid, you know, but he's interesting. And he, 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 could, he, would, he could benefit from somebody around him, you know, showing him the ropes and teaching him a couple things. That natural athletic ability that he has, yeah, that, that, that's great and that's awesome. But like what we were just talking about before, you know, there's other things that help make people good. There's a lot of more – there's a lot of athletes out there. There's a lot of people out there who are more athletic than me, who are stronger than me, who are faster than me and everything else. That don't necessarily mean that they can do what I do, if that makes sense. It's, exactly, Aaron. That does make a lot of sense because with you preparing the way that you prepare – you're getting in there, and you already have that mental aspect down. So it's a lot of instincts. And that's something that I talked about when we first picked you up. You're a football player that has great instincts. You know where this play is going to be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. No, because it's funny, but that's, like one of the, that's one of the first things that my coach told me. There was like, you know, there's some things that you can't coach. There's some things that you can't teach people. There's some people that need you to lay out everything for them and explain everything for them. And then there's some people that, that they, you could say, okay, line up in the A-gap and then go find the ball from there and they're going to go do it. So Coach Kyle, he, always, he, he compared me to, uh, to uh, oh, man, what was the boy's name in Arizona? The linebacker that they had, uh, Washington. Darryl, yep. I think Darryl Washington that played inside back. Yes, sir. Freak, freak, yep. freaky, yes, sir. freaky athlete, you know what I mean? Freaky athlete, freaky ball player. Scary how good he was. But Caldwell said, man, I couldn't coach him, though. Like, I couldn't tell him <laughs> I couldn't tell him certain things. He just did it. You know what I mean? Like, he was just doing it. And I respect Caldwell for not trying to take credit for that, too. You know what I mean? For not trying to say, oh, yeah, that was me. I told him this was coming. You know, like, because some coaches might do that. But he was honest about it. And, you know, some people just have that. Exactly. And, and I want to go to another position because we talked about the young player in Malden. I want to go to our defensive line position. We got a young guy, Leonard Williams, straight out of USC. This guy is playing extremely well. I want to get your thoughts on him as a player, and also how does him doing his job as a player affect you as a linebacker? Oh, without them, I don't eat. You can ask anybody that. I'll tell you I love my D-line. Anywhere I go with D-line, what you need? You hungry? I go get you something. <laughs> I go grab your Gatorade. What you need? I'm like, you got to understand as a linebacker, as a linebacker, I'm depending on my D-line like a running back is depending on his O-line. You can have a great running back, but if his offensive line ain't good, then, you know, he's not going to look that great. So it's huge to have yeah, somebody no, that, like him out there in front of me. You know what I mean? To have him out there. You know, I was fortunate in, in, that, in that system. I was clean a lot of times, you know. I'm not – I'm not – I don't try to – I don't sugarcoat that. But if you keep me clean, I'm going to make a play. That's that's the difference. Like, some people, you keep them clean, they still going to spit out. Now you like, man, I just took on a double team for you. You know what I mean? Like, why you ain't make the play? And I tell them boys all the time, man, you keep me clean, we all going to eat. Because I'm, yeah, no I'm not going to go into the media. I'm not going to go into the media and say, yo, I did this on my own, or you know, I could have did this without anybody else. I understand. I understand. I don't. I don't eat without y'all. <laughs> no, and that, that's an true, animal. man. You got Leo. Leo. Leo is got, an animal. That and that's that's one thing I wanted to ask you was Leonard Williams seems to have a tremendous amount of athletic ability. Do you guys see that on the field and practice? Like, how does that really play out for you? Yeah, you see it because you, 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 there are certain plays that defensive linemen aren't really supposed to be able to make or aren't really supposed to be able to get to. And I told Leo, it's, it's the craziest thing, I told Leo early in our, in our, you know, when you play in one preseason game, we played against Detroit. And there was a time when um, he, 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 like, 
he covered up for me. He didn't know what he was doing, but he did it. He got to my gap for me. And a lot of people can't do that. You know what I mean? A lot of people can't run while they're dealing with somebody, while they engage with somebody, and still get off and make a play. You know what I mean? I told him about that. And I told him other things. I try to give him some other hints, you know. If they, if this center goes this way, he got he, – if he if you see his head flat, he going. You know what I mean? He ain't coming back. Get going with him. <laughs> like, you know, there's certain things that you can kind of give them and try to help them out as well. And you just hope that they take it and learn. Yeah, no, it's 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 an exciting time with young players like Malden, Leonard Williams, things like that. And you know, the, the big news this week was obviously the, the retirement of Brickishaw Ferguson. What was it like playing with the Brickishaw? It was awesome, man. I, I got to know him a little bit, you know. I'm familiar with him, very familiar with him. He went to Virginia. I went to Maryland. Um, but he was just, like, such a such a quiet and humble and cool person. Like, you never would have known that he was as good as he was on the football field or that, you know, he's been as successful as he is, like, as far as financials go. Like, he was just a real, like, humble, cool dude. Like, I just remember all the time just sitting over there and watching. They had their own little they had their own little corn over there, man. It was a cool little corn. It was like Steve Bowen and Dave Harris is a uh, brick, and they all just over there, uh, you know, Willie Colon, everybody just chopping it up. And it's cool to see stuff like that, man. He didn't think he was above anybody else or better than anybody else. He just carried himself like like how you hope that a man would carry himself when he's in that position. Aaron, what was it like to see Ryan Fitzpatrick have the type of success that he had, you know, last year with the offense? It was kind of exciting to watch, man. I, I enjoyed every second of it. I mean, I played, I played a game – I mean – I don't mean to be like like weird or anything, but I play the game with big balls, and and Fitz went out there with big balls week in and week out, man. And it's not easy yeah. to be, to be that gutsy and play with that kind of moxie at quarterback. You know what I mean? You don't see it all the time. You don't see a lot of people with with the with the bruises on their head and they they're, they're bleeding. And he's laughing. He thinks it's funny. You know what I mean? You don't see that all the time. But I think that's also something that kind of translated to the team. You know what I mean? If, if, if he going to go fight, I got to go fight too. If he diving for these extra yards, he play quarterback. I got to go fight to try to stop this man from getting these extra yards. You know what I mean? So, no, he was a key part. True. He was a key part to what we had going on and what we were doing. Yeah, and similar to, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, it seemed like Brandon Marshall was the same kind of guy. He was emotional, fiery, like, He's fighting for every ball, fighting for every yard. Did you notice that too? What kind of like leader was Brandon Marshall with the offense? He was he was a very hands-on leader, man. You know, he did a good job of if somebody needed a a, a little a little pick me up, a little spark, he didn't mind going to talk to him and getting in their ear, and you know, letting them know what it was. And it wasn't in like in a mean way or demeaning way. It was like, yo, we trying to win, and so that was his main thing. And it's hard to it's hard to argue with somebody that they trying to win. They just trying to tell you the best things to help us be successful. What can you really say to them? Exactly. He didn't mind, when, but, when, but everybody, everybody's not comfortable with that, though. Everybody's not comfortable in that position. Everybody's not comfortable with saying what you, what the next man needs to do, or what, we need him to step up. You know. Exactly, and 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 when you look at if kind of switch uh, roles there to the running back position, we brought in Matt Forte. We, you know, brought in Robinson as well, and Bilal Powell being resigned. What are your thoughts on those players and what they bring to our offense this year? I think it's I think it's going to be a great combination. I think um, I think they all bring something a little bit different. Um, I played against Forte a lot when you know, he was in Chicago. I was in Minnesota. I'm familiar with him. Slashy kind of guy. Um, he going he going he going to be a headache out the backfield. And I think we have a good system and a good offense that's built for something like that. I don't know much about Kyrie Robinson, but I do know he's a tough nose runner, and he's going to stick his head in there. And we all know about Bilal. You know, we've all seen what he can do. So I'm excited about it. It's going to help me be better. See, that's what people don't understand. When they bring stuff like that in, what I got to go against every day? I got to go see those boys. I got to cover them out the backfields. 
But I get a chance to go play against the best and practice every day. No, and that's a, that's a definitely a dangerous backfield. Aaron, before we let you go, first of all, thank you for your time. But what are you doing for the rest of your off season, man? You training, working out? Off what are you doing? over, brother. The off season is over. What are you talking about? So you so you I'm back, going, back I'm going to Jersey. Yeah. I, I, I never stopped. I never stopped. After I finished, after the season was over, actually the Jets is probably still mad at me to this day because I still have my iPad from work. I never gave it back to him because I wanted to watch film. I would have sent it back if I would have went somewhere else, but <laughs> I want to watch the tape. That's awesome. But, Eric, first of all, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, and congratulations on coming back, man. I can tell you that Jets Nation is very excited to have you back. We love the way you play. We yep. love your, your hard work and your passion, man. It's it's an honor to watch, and we really really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, no problem, fellas, man. You guys take it easy, man. Appreciate you having me. So, thank you. Have a great night, man. Okay, Joe, if you listen to that interview and you're not a huge Aaron Henderson fan right now, you've got to be out of your mind. The passion, the energy, the drive, how can you not like that? Man, let me tell you something. Everyone knows I love Aaron Henderson, and that's part of why. He's so intense and he's so about football. I love that. And when you have guys that are in the locker room like that, man, it it just filters out into the team. Like you say, he's so passionate. You can hear it in his voice. You hear, you know, the conviction. And, I mean, listen to what he said before he left. You know, he didn't send the iPad back to the team because he wants to study film. He wants to know everything. The off season's over for him. He's ready to get working out again, get started, so that when that season comes, he's ready to be out there. This is a guy that's going to be our starter next year. I'm fired up, man. I am absolutely fired up. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, it's that mentality you have in the locker room. Like you mentioned, like, David Harris has it, Fitzpatrick has it. And now it's interesting about Ryan Fitzpatrick where, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, is he a leader, this and that. And and he said it, listen, this guy's out there, he's bleeding, he's smiling, he wants to keep playing. I know a linebacker, I want to play for him. Like, these guys buy yep. into him. And, and just it was interesting about, about Malden and Leonard Williams, too, about these young guys that are on the rise and how he helps them out, how the veteran players help them out. I mean, it's – he gives a lot of great information, man, but it's just, like, the attitude, the work ethic, and just he had me caught off guard, man. Like, usually it's hard to get caught off guard. What off-season? There is no, like, off-season's over. I'm like, I'm like, how awesome is that? Like, you want to start, like, going around just, like, punching things and hitting things because you get all fired up. So, you know, make sure you guys are following Aaron Henderson. We cannot thank him enough for his time. You know, during the off-season, we everybody's out vacationing, doing things, things like that. And, yeah, and that was kind of a little recap we did uh, following Aaron Henderson's interview, which was phenomenal. Very inspiring about how motivated he is, how driven he is, and even how he wants to compete against David Harris for tackle. So, like, like we mentioned earlier, thank you for his time. Thank him for his time. Follow him on Twitter, Aaron Henderson 50 And our last interview, but definitely not our least, was with rising star Lorenzo Malden, who was very kind to give us his, his time as well. Lorenzo is another inspiring story. You know, young player, just working very hard to take his game to the next level. And he gave us about a half hour's time, 20 minutes of time, and there's a lot of great quotes here. So just enjoy the interview. He, he's a really, really fun player to follow. So I guess we'll start it off and, you know, just, just rewinding things a little back. Um, how, did you, how did you feel about the whole draft experience as you came into the NFL? Um, and it was 
to be honest, it's, it's every every little boy's dream to be in the NFL, man, and it, it felt it felt unreal. It's man, I couldn't hold back tears. It's been as a little child, you know, I've always wanted to be in the NFL. I would have NFL players come and talk to me and tell me what I had to do, and you know, and there were a lot of people saying that the the percentage is not high for players to you know, from from middle school to make it to the NFL. So, you know, my my thought process was just to work as hard as I possibly could to make it to that point. And, you know, as my name has been mentioned to be drafted, it's, man, I, I tell you, I had the bubble guts from, from day one up until the draft day, and it, it, it stuck to me. And when my name was called, I almost fainted, man, because it was, it was so unreal. I thought I thought it wouldn't. Actually, it, it, I thought it wouldn't be here, but it was. Yes, hello, Lorenzo, and, and I want to thank you for coming on our show as well. And, and what, what an emotional take you just took me through right now. I, I can imagine how elated you were to be drafted. Like you said, there's so many players that, that don't make it there, and, and you did, and it's just great to hear how excited you were, you know, to be brought into the team. I, I really want to get your thoughts on, Playing for Todd Bowles, what is it like having that guy as your head coach and having Casey Rogers as your defensive coordinator? Oh, uh, it's pretty awesome, man. It's it's uh those two have a, a good tandem with each other. They they work they work well together and you can just tell the the vibe in the meeting rooms that they really want to win. You know, with with Todd Bowles being uh the head coach is um I've only had uh uh a, uh a chance to have two black coaches along with him and Coach Armstrong. I feel like their their uh, their system pretty much was the same. It, 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 if I felt comfortable in the system, you know, with a, a head coach being the uh, a defensive coach being the head coach, and it, it felt it felt great actually. I felt like I had we had more attention towards the uh, defense, and it was. It was pretty cool to actually have both of them, uh, you know, in our rooms, like when we were meeting and stuff. So uh, having them two as a as as you know coaches, they they're, I mean, they're ideal. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's that's good to hear as well because you always want to make sure that when young players come in, that they understand their roles and they feel comfortable with you as a coach. That's how you get the most out of players, and so it's good to hear that those guys, you know, have a system that fits you and you feel comfortable there. I also want to get your thoughts on Mike McCagnin. What was your first impression when you met him? Man, he's a, he's a great dude. Uh, he called, I was, he was the first person that I talked to um, when, when the, on the draft day, and it, 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 it automatically told me that he was the guy that I would be talking to the most when it came to me talking to someone whenever I got up to, uh, when I got up to New Jersey. And, I tell you, like the dude is remarkable. Like I love talking to him. Um, he always lets me know what he wants from me, and um, I try my best to go out there and give him whatever he wants. And uh, it's, it's, I, I, you know, that's a it's a love love situation between me and him because uh, he he reminds me of, of of why he drafts me, and it gives me motivation. Why he drafted me, and he and it gives me motivation on you know when I'm practicing, when I'm on the field, and it just gives. Uh, uh, a, a good. It gives me a good place to think. It gives me a good place to understand. You know why I'm why I'm there. Why I'm with the Jets. 
Uh, once again, we're talking with Lorenzo Molding, the New, New York Jets linebacker. Lorenzo, as a young player that wants to make an instant impact in the NFL, what were some of the biggest adjustments you had to make you know, as you joined the team and as you started like, in training camp, things like that? What were some of your biggest adjustments? To be honest, uh, it was it was the thing of me being a defensive end, and, and it's pretty much the same thing with every defensive end coming out of college to uh, to the pros. Uh, if you're a certain size, you want to they want to move you to the outside linebacker. They want to use your speed up the edge. So my big my biggest thing was basically coming out of a, a two point stance, being able to to rush off the edge. And um, I had a challenge with that at Louisville, and um, I'm glad that I had it my last year because I got a chance to actually work on it um, at, I mean, um, for my last year. So, and then, of course, dropping in the coverage. I didn't do a lot of it. And, uh, you know, once I got to the Jets, you know, they were telling me, they showed me in, in camp, you know, we want you to do this and we want you to do that. But it's like I've never done this. Like my entire year, my entire years of playing football, I never dropped in the coverage. I never covered a tight end or I never covered a slot receiver. So, it was it was difficult at first, you know, just studying the plays and everything. And as time went by, I got better and better at it, and I mean mentally. And I got chances to show the coaches that uh, that I could do it. So, I mean, um, it's 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 a work in progress, and um, I plan to be better for it, for way better for for next year. Yeah, and that's great to hear. I mean, you could see as the season played on, you, you, you played with a lot more confidence. You got to Tom Brady, which made all of Jets Nation very happy. Um, oh, yeah. How much yeah, – that's great, man. We love – trust me, we don't like the Patriots very much, so seeing you hit Brady <laughs> made us all very happy. Um, how, much, <laughs> how much did you learn from veteran guys like David Harris and Calvin Pace? Man, those guys pretty much took me in. You know, it's, the whole thing about it is, you know, they see a young player that really wants to work and really wants to, like, get better each day. So, you know, every little tip that they could, they, they pointed it out and they pretty much made it made it easier for me. Um, I gave I gave uh, Calvin Pace, uh, you know, all of me basically saying that, you know, uh, when I got there, I was like, anything that you can teach me, man, just teach me everything and uh, understand that you've been in the NFL for a long time, so you know the ins and outs, and I would love for you to, like, just let me know what I need to do to, you know, impress the coaches and be able to uh, uh, become a better player. Um, I know I'm young and everything, but it was uh, – I mean, he. I talked to him the most more than David Harrison because he was in my room. He was in the outside linebacker's room. And, um, and it was – it was, you know, I'm like, I was, it was like an – he was like an open book to me. I could read him. I could understand what was going on. And – I I would just listen in on him when he would talk to Mark Collins just to uh, understand what he was asking and understand what he was doing when when he was out there and I was just watching. And that is absolutely awesome to hear. This that's something that we talked about during the off season on our program. You know, having veteran guys like David Harris and Calvin Pace teach the you know the younger guys like yourself when you're coming in about where to be and how to get there, and, and making sure that any questions that you had would be answered. And that's just great to hear that our locker room, like we've heard throughout the entire season, is full of veterans that are ready to take our younger guys under their wing and, you know, continue to coach them up and make them the best players that they can absolutely be. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on as well, when you talked about guys teaching, you kind of briefly touched on Coach Mark Collins. I really want you to tell us how he impacted your play. How did, how did he make you a better player this year? 
Well, when I first met Coach, uh, it was the first time I, I I got to work out with him was at the pro day. Um, I could tell he was a he was a guy that that wanted to go get it. So it's uh, that's my style of coach. Um, uh, I mean, I can say with in college it was coach it was Coach Hart for me, and then and, I mean Coach Hurt, and then and Coach Hart. So those guys were very aggressive when it came to coaching. So when he asked me, he's like, "What type of coach do you like? Do you like the passive coach where they just going to pat you on the back every time and let you know that you're doing good and don't let you know when you're messing up or everything, or do you want that aggressive?" Uh, hard-nosed coach. And I was like, Coach, and to be honest, I want a hard-nosed coach. I don't want a coach that's going to pat me back every time. Like, I want to be able to get after it. But if I'm wrong, I want you to tell me I'm wrong so I know to get better at what I'm, what I'm, what I messed up on. So, Coach, Coach Mark Collins, he, 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 his style of coaching is very aggressive, and I like it. It's, it's, it's um, how can I say? He's, he's more into it. As an outside linebacker coach, I've never had a linebacker coach really except for uh, Todd Grantham and uh, and 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 uh, Louisville. And Coach Grantham was more laid back more than anything. But uh, I can say Mark Collins is very passionate. It makes me more passionate to learn. If that makes sense, it, it totally makes sense. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I, I've I've heard stories about Coach Collins. He's very attention to detail oriented, like you said, he's Very. all about <laughs> straightforward. And like you said, if, if you do something wrong or, or you're not in the right space, the spot, he is going to let you know about it. You, you yeah, won't have to worry know, about that. You'll know, you'll know 100 yards away that he is pissed that you messed up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very straightforward. I, I love Coach Collins, and I'm glad to hear that you guys have a great rapport and that, you know, as other players have told me that he just he's working with you and and he's done a lot for you in your career, so I, I'm I'm excited to hear about that. I want to know as you sit back and you look at other players throughout the NFL, who are some of the players that you'd like to study, you know, to help improve your game? Do you take other things from other players and say, hey, if I could take this move and use it here, it may help me in certain situations? Man, I'm gonna tell you right now, man, I'm a very humble dude when it comes to those. When it comes to that type of stuff, man, because you know, just as a child growing up, you know, I've been watching so many guys. Uh, you got Elvis Dumerville, you got Von Miller, the guys that that just went off in this last game. You got Von Miller, uh, you got Elvis Dumerville, you got Demarcus Ware, uh, uh, JJ Watt. Those guys, those guys have been doing it for a while, and man, they are elite at what they do. So it's 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 inevitable that I try to learn everything that they do. You know, everybody compares me to uh, so many people, and it's just like, man, I want to be like everybody. If I can throw moves in that that I've been practicing, or I may even throw in a move that I've, <laughs> I haven't even thought about uh, throwing, it's it's inevitable that I try to do it the way they do it because they do it so at a high level and they do it so great that their years to come are far from over. We're talking with New York Jets linebacker Lorenzo Malden. Please, you know, follow him on Twitter, follow him on Instagram. We're tweeting out all the information now. Um, he's always great with the fans. He interacts. And he he posts some great pictures and always some awesome, you know awesome inspirational messages. Lorenzo, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, as you go into the off season now, you have a year under your belt in the NFL. What are some, some things you're going to work on in this off season? Do you work? I mean, you have amazing speed. Are you working on different moves? Are you what, what kind of things are you working on? Yeah, um, actually, I am. Um, I was. Uh, I signed with the uh, athletes first, and um, I was thinking about you know just basically going um, meeting up with these guys and uh, proactive out in California, 
to actually try and uh, work out and, and be able to uh, uh, work on what I needed to work on for the season. And pretty much uh, Mark Collins, Coach uh, Todd Bowles, pretty much let me know that uh, my role will get a little bigger this year. So now I know that I need to uh, uh, buy in and be able to uh, do everything that they ask me to. So, you know, just come – I mean, I started working out probably like two or three weeks ago. Um, I, I told myself no rest uh, is, is allowed because uh, – the role that I have now or that I will have in, in the future will uh, impact, you know, our defense and our team. So uh, I need to know everything that, that is uh, applicable to uh, the defense. So um, basically uh, learn how to drop into coverage. I'm going to get with my uh, my uh, defensive uh, coach, defense coordinator at Louisville, so I'm going to have to uh, learn how to learn the coverages and learn everything about them. Um, I mean, Rushing is coming. As rushing is coming, go like I, I've been doing it my entire life, so that's not something that uh, I don't need to work on. But it's it's going to be worked on because it can never be perfect. So uh, learning learning new moves. Um, I was supposed to get with uh, Von Miller. Von Miller, of course, is going to the Super Bowl. So uh, there's no telling what he's what he's doing right now. But um, <laughs> Because uh, he signed with athletes first as well, so um, I met with him during the during the uh, the uh, drafting uh, process. But yeah, he's a uh, he's I know he's pretty busy, so um, just I guess I'm just gonna work on it. Watch I guess watch YouTube videos and you know just just learn just learn basically. That's my that's my biggest thing um, in the off season. Just learn. And that's why I love you as a player, Lorenzo, because you're a tireless worker. You're a guy that's willing to go forth, put forth the effort to get to where you need to go. Um, you're never satisfied. You're constantly moving. You're constantly trying to get better. And that's what makes, you know, separates, you know, players that continue to continuously get better and level up in this league. And I really do love hearing that you're continuously, you know, putting forth the effort and the work to get better. Um, and you spoke about this a little bit. You said, you know, as a linebacker, you know, you rush, it's come and go. You've done that your entire, you know, time. That that's that's you're kind of a specialist there. But I'm wondering, do you prefer coming off the line with your hand in the dirt, or do you prefer edge rushing, standing up? You know, Joe, it's 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 fifty fifty. I guess you can say because, man, as a as a defensive lineman uh, at, at heart, you know, it's 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 way better to come off as a. As a, as a, in a three-point stance. I mean, you got to think about it. Track runners come out in a three-point stance and they run their best at, at in a hundred-yard dash. So it's yeah. like coming coming off the edge is 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 it's hard to do. I guess you can say um, for me because I haven't done it for a long time in a two-point stance. So it's it's kind of and then with but with standing up, I can I can read everything. You know, I can see when I can see when when receivers are motioning. I can see what the back is doing. I can I can understand what the what the uh, where, where the quarterback is instead of listening behind me trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I can see uh, 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 what the guard what the guard stance is and what the tackle stance is. It's just I can see everything, so it works in tandem with basically rushing off the edge and understanding what's going on. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting take, and that that's something that I've always wondered, and you explained it perfectly. Um, you know, and another thing I wanted to speak about with you, and when I watch you on tape, the first thing that pops out is your hands. 
you're a guy that uses your hands to free yourself from guys that are trying to block you so that you can get to that quarterback. And I'm wondering, how do you work on your hands and your leverage? What are are the things that you do to get better at those things, and how does that make your game better? Can you kind of explain that to our listeners? Well, playing playing as a defensive player, you want to play with your hands, period, no matter what the position is, Uh, corner, linebacker, defensive line, uh, uh, safety. You know, just guys, we we need to keep the offensive player off of us. So the whole thing of it is just basically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a synopsis of me rushing off the edge. Basically, when I rush off the edge, I want to be able to use my leverage, basically my length, to keep the offensive tackle off of me. And the hand placement is is, is key, basically. Uh, Make sure, make sure you know that where you, it, it comes with studying as well. So you know where, who you're going up against. You know where to place your hands. You know where to what hands to knock down, which way to lean, and which way to you know maneuver to get around them. So it's it's, it's Mark Collins uh, stresses enough. Good hand placement, eye eye placement is is key to rushing off the edge and. I feel like I with with me having long arms and using the long arm uh 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 pass rush move it it helps me out a lot. It keeps the tackles off of me and I'm able to bend the edge and be able to uh, either push them to the quarterback or uh, like I said before uh beat them off the edge and get to the quarterback. Once again, we're talking with Lorenzo Malden, who's been very kind to give us some time tonight and sharing some great knowledge or information on his training, you know, his his experience throughout his first season in the NFL. Lorenzo, a question I have for you is just, you know, coming from the college into the New York market, what has that been like for you? Like the whole experience, like with Jet fans, you know, the New York market, the craziness of the NFL. What has the whole experience been like for you? Uh, I can say right now, it's the difference. <laughs> of course, now I'm getting paid, so it's it's um, <laughs> never a bad the, thing. Yeah, never, never is a bad thing. But I mean, hey, I could do it. I could do it for a long time. And it's being in college. They, I've always been told college would probably be the most fun ball that you play. And I mean, I think it's all fun to be honest. But I mean, college ball is is when it comes to the marketing and everything. And hey, uh, you can't really use you can't really use your image for anything. Uh, in college because, I mean, again, they would have to pay you in order for that to happen. So um, coming into the NFL, you see your name and so much stuff, and it's you got your name on the back of a jersey, and it's actually been sold in stores. And it's uh, you see your name as a dream for me on, on the NFL, uh, on the Madden game. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I just – I don't even play the game. I just get on there to see my see my face on there. So, um, <laughs> and and it's it's it, it's remarkable, man, because it's, it's from it's like growing up. <laughs> it's like growing up, and it's and it and it feels great. Like just to, just to say that, just to say that I I I made it. I have my uh, fiance in the other room uh, listening and throwing our words, but um, yeah, it's it's great. It's great, man. It's the, the the New York market. I mean, I'm in I'm in one of the biggest cities, so it's like it's I can't say anything else but other than it's great. 
Yeah, and I can tell you this, Jet fans love you, man. Your personality, your big smile, your energy, and you, you can market your hair, man. Listen, if you need marketing tips, we can help you, man. We can market all kinds of things for you. Cause you, hey, you can. It's coming. It's coming. Trust me, it's coming. Listen, you you sell it, we're buying it, man. I can tell you that much. But has, is there, has anything surprised you, like the like the the media coverage, the anything like that surprised you or no? Um, no, you know when you got the build up from from graduating college and you're going through the combine and the and the uh and the the senior bowl and all that stuff it's like it's pretty much getting you ready for all of that stuff man it's you take in then when you get to the jets they they teach you how to talk to the media and i mean so it's not like you're going in blind they 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 teach you everything and pretty much you're ready for for the 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 access that the media has for you and you have to be careful of what you say and be smart and just just understand the question and then answer it completely. So it's, uh, I mean, it's not it's not a shocker to me at all. Okay. Yeah, and, and and communicating is something you do extremely well. And something that I see is things you do on social media, uh, the way you communicate to your followers, and you know how you how you try to you know definitely spread positive messages constantly. Is that something that's important to you to just constantly you know put out inspirational messages? Yes, that is very important to me. Um, like I said before earlier in the interviews, man, it's there were NFL players coming to me. There were inspirational people coming to me as a child, and they're pretty much trying to push me along, along with other other athletes, pushing me along and giving me uh, uh, words of advice. So I understand that out there, there's they don't even have to be out athletes. I understand that there are people out there struggling. I understand that there are people that that need some type of pick me up. They may get on social media and may look for that. Uh 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 but I wanna be one of those type of people um that pretty much give without getting, if that makes sense. Uh, I guess you can call myself a phila- a philanthropist or something like that and be able to help someone without without trying to receive anything back. Um I wanna just if my words are are uh, impeccable to someone's life, then I could, that could be, uh, that can be my payment. Just to say that, oh, Lorenzo Martin said this, so uh, I, I, it's helped me out in my life. So um, I, I've changed my life around this, this, and this. Uh, or, if, or if I could, you know, help someone uh, achieve their goal. Um, I'm, I'm a very inspirational person, so I, lo- I love like just saying stuff what's on my mind. I love writing. Writing is a big thing for me. Um, I am a communications major, so it's uh, proud to say that at least. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like my feelings are someone else's feelings out if, in, at the end of the day, if that, if that all in all makes sense. Lorenzo, that was very well said. I mean, I, I, I can speak on behalf of Joe that we, we both admire, like, your work ethic, your tenacity, and just the way you carry yourself and handle yourself. I mean, it's, you have a lot of respect. You you communicate an awesome message. Like, we always see, you know, on social media how you, the, the uh, communications you put out there, and it's always it's – just, I just respect that. Because in this day and age, it seems like a lot of players get bad raps for whatever reason, and you, you have a whole different approach, and you, you do it the right way, and it's just it – really, it's really admirable, man. So con- congratulations to you because we really appreciate what you do and how you go about doing your business and, and things like that. Um, before we let you go, and once again, thank you for your time as well, do you have a message for all the Jet fans out there? I mean, you had them all excited about, you know, in your rookie year. Do you have a message for all the Jet fans out there as you go forward? That's what I'm going to say. Molly Maul is coming back and coming back with a vengeance.
Well, we want to thank Lorenzo Molden again for his time. A tremendous interview. Gave us so much insight in his in the draft experience and just his experience his rookie season with the New York Jets. He learned a lot how he utilizes you know resources like Calvin Pace, David Harris, his admiration for his coaches and how they motivate him. So we want to thank him for that. And please, you know, give him a follow on Twitter, social media. Always communicate the very positive message as we talked about. So we hope you enjoyed our interviews. We do our best to get as many players on as we can. Um, you can follow us on, you know, Twitter, Instagram. We're on TuneIn.com. We're on Stitcher. Just search Let's Talk Jets and you'll find us. We appreciate all the support and all the listens. And we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets.